Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I'm Laura Rankhorn. I'm Kim Crumley. And together we are Counselor Accents. Two school counselors who are in the trenches with you. We know what you're going through because we're living it every single day. When we recorded this episode, we intended for it to be one episode. But the more we got into it, we felt like this may be easier if we divide it up and do two episodes for the price of one. So we're going to split this up and it may seem kind of awkward the way that we split it up. But we want to give you half this week and then we'll release the other half next week. So take this time this week to really digest, no pun intended, the River Meets the Road tips that you can pull out of this episode and see how you can change your school counseling program with the River Meets the Road tips from this week. Good morning, Laura. (laughs) Good morning. You look like a drowned cat. And you likewise. Um, I have an excuse. Okay, I do too. I want to hear... I want to hear My your power has been out all morning, so I could not get ready. This is why this is an audio. You, nobody wants to see this. I don't know what your excuse is, but even though we are uh, a minute apart, there's power on your side. Yeah. Not power on my side up of the county. So I was well, I pay going you. to have to come over there and get ready. I pay you good rent money. You should be able to pay your power bill. And that's why I was coming over. I was going to say scooch over and let mm-hmm. me, you know, wash my hair and various parts and dry my hair. And so li- there's so few things that happen in rural areas that a power outage, it blows up. Everybody's calling, what are we going to do? Well, it's weird because there's no bad weather. What are we going to do? There's no bad weather. There's no reason for a power outage. So that's why it's a head scratcher when it happens. Well, usually it's somebody's ran into a power pole. Hmm. And then you got to figure out who, because it's probably somebody you're related to. Exactly. It just sends a wave of excitement. I thought it was either that or them aliens they've been talking about. Oh, gosh. All right. So today, Laura, um, we're going to talk about one of our favorite subjects to talk about, and we think it's the perfect time to talk about it during these months that we hope you're taking a little bit of breather, a little bit easier to to kind of um, step back and look at who you are, what your passions are, and um, bring some of that passion into your uh, program. And I think that is a key component. We we talked about this in Georgia. Uh, we did a keynote and we talked a little bit about, because that was kind of what, what the gist of it was, was trying to stay passionate because we're leaving. You know, we have a lot of school counselors that are leaving. They've lost that passion. And so we think a key to that is finding your passion and your creative, you know, being creative with your program. Well, that was kind of a game changer for us. Um, whenever we thought, okay, we we enjoy the job of school counseling, but what can we do to take it to the next level? And when we started bringing in creativity, that's where it just really 
grew and changed the, the job for us. Absolutely. You're so absolutely right. That was the moment yeah. when we started looking at things differently and and looking at what was relevant for the times and what we enjoy and bringing our passion to it. Yeah. So when we did this before, we love a good theme, a good, uh, you know, I guess, it, I don't know, but everything kind of always has a theme with us. And, and when we were talking about this, we were comparing it to cooking. Like, yeah. uh, I love to see creative creativity in, in cooking. I don't do that. Cooking's not my passion, but people that are, they get that. Like, I, they can they can take an ordinary dish and we say that adding that creativity is like the difference between popping open a can, can of Campbell's soup laying it down to eat for dinner compared to getting in the kitchen and adding all the spices and all of the uh all of the different flavors and and the dishes are so different right because one is you've cooked creative creatively and the other you've just opened and laid out there and you're going to get pretty sick of that can of soup I just thought of this and uh, it's funny because, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times and I just now thought of this. My husband thinks that he is a chef. He thinks that he is like that he could be on some of those cooking shows. Mm. And so I've finally gotten him to the point where he won't just grab spices down from the spice cabinet and just throw things in. I will never forget when I ate some chili that he had made one night. And, you know, chili's just one of those staple, like you really cannot mess it up because it's just. Because you can add a lot of things to chili and it still be good. Yes. One thing that you cannot add to chili is cinnamon. And he <laughs> added cinnamon to chili. And so I'm eating it and I'm like, why does this taste like cinnamon toast crunch with a little <laughs> bit of tomatoes? So anyway, he he does take the liberty to add all those spices. It's not working for him. It's not. But well, then, okay, why are we even doing this? Why are we telling people to be creative? Because if they're adding, if they're creative, if it works, right? Not don't be creative. And we say this a lot. Don't be cutesy. And I guess that's a. Uh, I think that's a good, a good, a good point. Don't be cutesy in yeah. that. You found a cute lesson on TPT and you just want to do it. Don't right. add the cinnamon when it doesn't make sense. Even if it's cute and creative, it still has to match our um, what the students need is. So be creative in within the confines of what your dad is. <laughs> exactly. If, yeah. If that. In that case. All right. So we're going to look at a little recipe. So we're going to say, uh, we're going to talk about adding a cup of creativity. A tablespoon of passion. A teaspoon of stress tolerance. One ounce of collaboration. One tablespoon of leadership. And one teaspoon of refined taste. Oh, very well said. So, um, I just, the masters of the profession in cooking can make any of the most ordinary dishes, uh, with their touch, touch. And that, that's the personality and creativity. And I don't know if you watch those shows, like what we we're just talking about, like, um, Hell's Kitchen or whatever. Um, 
but it's a it's a struggle when you're watching this to watch them struggle between the the established rules of what you know goes in chili, if you right. will, attempt to go beyond that, um, those limits for those, you know, for that desired surprise. And so that's kind of where we were thinking the same thing with us. I mean, we, we have those rules that we have to follow, but within those rules, how can we make this our own? And we and like to think of our favorite people. Laura is who? Cassie Stevens. And she was on our show, if you will remember that. And she talked about the game changer for her. May I share that story? Or do yes. you want to? You've shared the whole thing so far. So why don't you share this too? I was waiting for that. I led you up to that. I allowed you your dig. Okay. Now that's all you get to say. Okay. I'll come back around to you. I'm going to go exercise if you don't mind while you do. Uh, and you just listen to this. Okay. Okay. So uh, Cassie Stevens was on our show and she talked about just being completely burnt out. Couldn't go on. Didn't want to go on. Uh, and, and you would think with what she was doing, that that's going to be one of the, you know, how do you get burnt out teaching art? Cause that's one of the most creative things. She said that the game changer for her was when she knew she had lost her passion and she thought, what am I really passionate about? Like even art wasn't, you know, it it had gotten stale. And so she went into like a Michael's or a Hobby Lobby or whatever. And she picked up um, a sewing kit and found that. You know, that was her first sewing that she did. And she found that she just fell in love with sewing. And she started sewing things that went along with her lessons. Like she made a Van Gogh skirt. And she said that that really spiced up her lessons on Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. And so if you follow her, if you don't, I suggest that you do. But um, she she just found that adding the... All, it's all about her clothes, and that's was her passion, and that kind of is catapulted her to stardom too. So that's what we're talking about is is finding something that you can get behind that maybe is a passion that does it's what you do and you love to do in your spare time, but bringing that alongside your school counseling. Yeah, you love to dress up. Bring that along with your school counseling. If you love to blog, bring that along. If you love to write, bring that along your school counseling program. If you love to decorate, decorate your room, decorate and bring that alongside your school counselor program. So during this summertime, find out what, find out more about yourself. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite colors? What do you enjoy doing at this time in your life? And if it's, if it's reading or what are some, what are some books that you can bring alongside your program? Very good. Well, and we like to say that, um, you know, we had some tips that came from the Gourmetian magazine, and I don't even know if I'm saying that right, Gourmetian. I would think that's what it is, but I'm not a gourmet chef. Um, But they talk (laughs) about how you've got to have passion as a chef, and if you don't, it's going to be very difficult for that chef to keep up with the times. And that means that chances of the success in the profession are going to diminish, you know, and you think about that, some of the top restaurants, um, they've got to keep up with the times. They've got to keep adding things to keep it interesting. And, um, so 
it's kind of the same for us that we've got to, like you said, figure out what we're passionate about. Now I went on, um, when I was younger, like as in twenties, I thought, I don't even know what my hobby is. Like I would always tell people when they would say, what are your hobbies? Well, I really don't know. Like I was up for suggestions, whatever people would ask. I mean, whatever people could offer. So I went through a phase where I thought I was going to be a tennis star, maybe not star, but a tennis player. I was not as good at it as I had been in my college class. So I lost interest in that. And then I went through a run of bracelet making and thought that I was very successful at that. But I recently, you know, we moved. And so I uncovered all the bracelets that I had made during my bracelet making phase. God bless the people that encouraged me because <laughs> I saw my handiwork and I was not gifted in the bracelet making industry. And um, they were going one, all I need is one more bracelet from this woman. Exactly. Every Christmas, here's a bracelet. And so God bless you all that supported that venture. Um, but you come by it honestly. I come by it honestly. My, about your dad and all his many. Yes. My so dad, I think he must have been a very creative person and he was a, a counselor. Yes. Um, when I was younger, we went through a taekwondo phase. So mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what belt I made it to. He made it all the way up to a black belt. But we, as a family, were obsessed with taekwondo for a while because my dad was. Oh, and yeah. He went through a wolf phase. I don't even <laughs> understand that. But everything that he bought had to have a wolf on it. Then there was the eagle phase. We just swapped out the wolf for the eagle. Then on the heels of that, he went through a Tai Chi phase where every time I walked through the living room, we had a very large living room. Every time I walked through, he was doing some sort of slow uh, jujitsu like move, trying to balance on his leg. And that was the Tai Chi phase. There was the Indian festival phase, which brought with it. And I was just thinking about this yesterday. It brought with it a flute, but it's not the flute like you and I would think about. It was more like a recorder that somebody must have sold him at one of these Indian festivals. It was more like a recorder and he would just sit and play this recorder. Then there was the hiking phase, which was probably my least favorite phase. Um, He decided, he convinced us that it would be a fun family vacation to hike up a mountain in June. And so we all wore shorts because, you know, here in the South in June, it's like a devil's day as we came up with the term the other day. And so we hiked up this mountain. Well, who knew in the middle of June that it was going to be snowing at the top of this mountain. So we get up there and we all have just shorts and a t-shirt and um, I came back home with pneumonia. I'm not even joking. I had pneumonia. <laughs> my dad got a skin disease. So who knew? So anyway. Um, oh, my goodness. This is so funny. This is so, so funny. But, you know, but Laura passed me the other day. Me called me the other day. And she was in a hurry. And she said, I am on my way to wherever. And she said, I'm passing an Indian festival. My dad's rolling over in his grave because I'm passing it. <laughs> And not stopping at this Indian festival. So I never cool. attended said Indian festivals, but um, that was not for my dad. He tried to get me to attend these festivals, and it I, wasn't for lack of trying on his yeah. part. Am I right? Yeah. You're yes. right. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I did not take you down the memory lane. Sorry uh, for that. Thank you for taking me down. You know, memory 
memory lane. I, I appreciate that, but um, I, I love it. I love it. So, uh, you know, we have been very creative at school. You know, we when we've and, and and two, let me just say, when we look at what kids are interested, you just went through a whole list of things that you were in that your dad was interested in, and. Um, so that's, you know, when you're in your learning brain and kids can go through phases of, of what's trending. And that's one of the things that Laura and I always look at, like, what are kids really inner passionate about right now? Mm-hmm. And one of those things that we discovered was uh, talk about the slime and how how much fun we had being creative yeah. with slime and what, how we figured out that was the thing that kids were in. Well, you... Um... I had had some students visit you and they had just come back from a slime convention. So you called me and you were like, hey, slime is all the rage. Now, of course, now that sounds like common sense to say, but this was back several years ago before slime was so popular. And we were kind of astounded to hear that there was actually like a slime convention. Like people go and learn how to make slime and how to make it better and different kinds of slime. So we thought, okay, how can we incorporate that? If kids are interested so much so that there's a slime convention, how can we incorporate that into what we do? So um, you came up with an acronym that based um, was based on slime for attendance. So we did an attendance lesson that revolved around slime. And um, I made slime with my students. You were smart enough smart so much smarter than I was absolutely maybe I should have been clearer on this maybe but um you had slime pre-made and then gave your students just a drop of slime during the lesson I invited my students to make slime during the lesson it was a disaster it was a it was horrible it was a mess I passed out Clorox wipes so they could wipe (laughs) themselves off that's a big no-no who knew that (laughs) Um, a lot of visits to the nurse a lot of visits to the nurse I think we're far enough removed from that that I am able to talk about it outside of litigation but um (laughs) anyway the thing is though the kids remembered that all year we definitely created memories I created some painful memories but they loved it and so for the rest of the year every time I would see them out in the hallway and I did huge lessons all year. Like, I mean, I hung sharks from the ceiling for another lesson and we did so many other wonderful things, but all year they would say, are we making slime today? So they remembered that. And I will say that that year we had the highest attendance pretty much higher than you can go. I mean, as a school, you're going to have some absences, but the next year my supervisor said, I really don't think that you can make attendance a goal this year because your attendance is already so high. So I don't know that it was the slime lesson, but I, I would like to say. It made a big, it did. It made a big part of yeah. that whole. Because you made that no pun intended. Yeah. Oh, or, or was it? Or was it? So um, those lessons that we do that we, you know, that we're bringing in that extra touch, we're taking that extra creative step are the lessons that kids remember. And we, we've done whole. You know, we've done whole speakings on uh, experiences because that's what marks time. That's what people remember. And so if you're just doing a regular lesson, that doesn't necessarily translate into the brain as a memory 
-hmm. but experiences make memories. And so we say when we're doing anything, if we're doing a lesson with a kid, I think it's more important to do fewer and those lessons to be impactful. What I'm saying is impactful. How can I make it impactful? And a lot of times that has to, or I think it pretty much always involves adding our special touch, adding that passion. And it's amazing how kids will join you in your passion. Like they're excited if you're excited. Yeah. And we're not asking you to change everything. You know, we keep saying here we are in summer. And for those of our our friends who are up in the Northeast that are like, what? We're not in summer. We're like, I'm working with my tongue hanging out here. We get it. We were just there a month ago. But, um, you know, maybe save this and listen to it during your summer. But we are in that stage where we've just recovered from the past year. And now we're starting to think, okay, how can I take my program to the next level next year? Well, we're just asking you to make small improvements, not throw everything out and restart. Um, Just how can I be just a little bit better than I was last year? Or even if you look at a lesson that you did last year and you think, how can I take this up just a notch? What can I do to to bring in something that I'm passionate about or take it to a memorable level? Um, it makes me think of the 1% story. Do you want it me to? It did me too. I was hoping you'd tell that because when okay. you said that just a little bit better, this yeah. is something that I share with our faculty every year. I love this. Tell, tell us the 1% story. Okay. Well, in 1908, from 1908 until 2007, the Great Britain cycling team had the worst run of cycling awards. Like they only won, I believe it was one gold medal during that whole almost 100 100 years. In 2003, they decided to hire a man named Dave Brailsford. And this was not an easy thing for Dave to try to turn around because even one of the top bike manufacturers in the country said, "Uh, no thanks, we're not going to sell our bikes to this cycling team because they're so bad it may hurt our overall sales. So no, we're not interested in selling. But Dave Brailsford didn't just come in and try to like make drastic changes. He looked at every single thing that goes into riding a bike. So he changed the seats. And let me tell you, I actually went bike riding yesterday, Kim. Um, oh, around, without me. Without well, because me. Of foot, because of your foot, I was giving you some time to heal. You're going to Disney. Okay. Go ahead, whatever. Um, Who is with you? Who is with you? Who is she? She's an idiot. I want to preserve her identity. Okay. It was my girls. We all went. It was that was painful enough because they're just learning to ride without training wheels. But I digress. But I was gonna say that I feel as though maybe I've given birth. That's how I feel (laughs) today. So I wish Dave Brailsford would come take a look at this seat on my bike and figure (laughs) out how to change. But anyway, he changed the seats. He changed their uniform to a more breathable fabric, maybe. Um, he he got them some heated outfits. Um, he even changed their diet. He asked them to try out different pillows to see which one would give them a better night's rest. So he looked at the whole picture when it came to bike riding, and he decided um, to follow something that's called aggregation of marginal gains, and that's where just making those small changes, just the 1% changes start to add up to make huge uh, changes overall. And so from 2007 until 2017, 
it was considered the winningest run of cycling in the history of cycling. They won, I think it was like 66 gold medals and 118 um, like other medals. They won five Tour de France's. So it was, it worked just making those small changes. So that's what we're asking you to do. Just look at your counseling program. Look at everything. You know, we've talked before about your year plan. Um, and if if all of this is foreign to you, I'm not trying to plug something here, but I'm going to plug something here. We do have a course. And if you're interested in that, we talk about everything that you need to do to get your year set up. Um, we're going to be talking about it at ASCA. These are all the things that you can be looking at and just think, okay, here's what I did last year and here's how I can make it 1% better. And if you decide to be 1% better every single day, then by the end of the year, just think of where you'll be in comparison to where you started. I love that. I love that story. I think we've shared this on the podcast before. I'm not sure, but every time I hear it, I'm inspired. And yeah. and, and just another little side note. A 1% rule can go if, with your life. I mean, it can go with your health. Mm-hmm. What 1% chan- chan- changes can I make? I mean, that's so small, mm-hmm. uh, but it make that big difference for your, your health or just your um, well-being, mental well-being. What are some changes that I can make? So that's just a good 1% story. And I love to share that with the staff. So I think if you want to do that, that's a good idea. So Laura, as you were talking, you know, one of the things that we originally, when we started I want to say dating, if you will. Uh, You know, one of the things that we both realized was that we were very interested in the story of Walt Disney, the person and then what that became and the story of um, the creativity that these Imagineers use and have. Um, So those were those were one of the things that we tried to we looked at, and if you ever watch this Disney behind the scenes, the Disney, um, how these like how these movies are made, the collaboration. So, uh, Laura, I think of a lot of times because we live in the, uh, on an island often, and we're the only one or t- one. It's important to have somebody that you can be creative with who are sparks your creativity. And, and we are that for each other to where I can say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And you can say, okay, have you thought about adding this? Have you thought about, and clearly I didn't think to say, go buy your slime in that world, but right. you know, maybe it was a good thing I did. But having those back and forth, like we have seen watching the Disney Imagineers work together, that's, they're creating movies or whatever. And uh, so, the, you know, when they come together um, and you, you know, more a little bit more about the, the dream retreats or, that mm-hmm. Disney does. So tell us a little bit about how, how they operate and how we might could use that in our own creativity. Well, I love the idea of a dream retreat. And it's like I have begged people to go on a dream retreat with me. You and um, when we, we have done dream retreats, we wrote a book at a dream retreat, a children's mm-hmm. book. Was that not a dream retreat? We were on the beach, Laura. How much more of a dream do you want? Well, okay. It's not how I imagined a dream retreat. But anyway, um, but I love the idea of a dream retreat. Just getting away and just brainstorming. Because brainstorming is one of our favorite things to do. 
Um, and I got this from the book, The Disney Way. So um, I would recommend it as a summer read. If you're interested, it just talks about all the things, the Disney principles and how to apply it to your business, including a school. But in the book, it talks about how Imagineers, storytellers, the artists, the engineers, the designers, they all get together and go away, which I think there's value in getting away and going outside of your school to brainstorm. So they go away. The ground rule, which I think is the most important ground rule, is no idea is too far-fetched. So I don't know if you've ever been brainstorming or you've ever thrown out a creative idea and somebody says, well, that'll never, never work. Well, that's very frustrating to hear when you're you're trying to be creative. You know, it's way more fun when like you and I get together and we really don't say that to each other. We don't say that'll never work. We say things like, yes, and, or um, we say, okay, I love that. How can we? But. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sometimes we'll say, Okay, you can convince me. I'm not I'm not sold on it yet, but you can convince me. And that gives each other the opportunity to sell it a little bit more. But there's only so much freedom in that. Yeah. Um, there is so much freedom in being that person that having somebody who's like you could come up with this crazy wild idea and mm-hmm. you know Having and you, you may be thinking, how would I? But to have somebody come along and say, okay, how can we make that happen? And I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, Laura, but it reminded me of hearing Ron Clark, who we know the educational superstar, talking about having these meetings with his faculty, and like he was trying to come up with a way to let kids know they were going to be involved in the school. And um, one of the people. Um, and I think it's the one of the ones that you follow. Um, what is her name? She wrote the book. Kim. Husband. Not Kim. Oh, uh, wild card. The, yep. Uh, yep. 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 Wait. But anyway, she, I think it was her and I can't think of her, the name, but she said, what if we did like a dinosaur egg? And 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 have the dinosaur egg opened. It, it, it has their coat for the or their or their shirt or whatever in the year. And then she said, "No, you know, like something that would never work." And Ron Clark would they they don't shut ideas down. So it was like, why wouldn't it? How can we make it work? And yeah. so that's kind of how busy is. This is huge. Yeah, but how do we make it? I love I love big people who do great big things because they're not afraid to do great big things. I'm very attracted to that kind of a person that that's like, let's jump in. This is a big thing, but we can do this, this big thing. And here's the steps that it's going to take to do it. And I, I do want to, I, I love that from the Disney retreat, the dream retreat where, um, you know, all of their key people get together and go away and, since no idea is off the table, there's so much freedom to share. And so somebody said, what if, what if we could make it snow in Florida? Well, you know, I mean, you know how hot it is in Florida. And so the idea of snow, like it happens once every 10 years. So some of the storytellers started saying, okay, um, in 2025, El Nino stalled out and created a huge snowstorm. 
So while they're saying this, the artists start drawing it out. The designers start making models with clay. And so the storytellers keep going and they say, um, everything started freezing over and snow started falling. So some of the engineers said, um, what if we created a dome over Disney and made it snow? So they start trying to go through the process of how could we make that happen? So the storyteller said a crocodile, an alligator, was um, going down a hill and all of a sudden it snowed over the hill and um, it had to like sled down the hill. So through this process, they came up with the idea of Blizzard Beach, the water park. And so when you go to Blizzard Beach now, you can know that it's a product of a dream retreat and ideas that were not too big. You know, I love Blizzard Beach. I lost a top or a bottom, and I can't remember which one going down the oh. tube. You know, they have that oh. tube thing that you go down, and um, people were it, – it. there was a lot of um, trauma there for me and for others. And oh, for others. But that is the scariest thing I've ever been on in my life. And maybe that's typhoon, not, you know, they have two anyway. Yeah. Maybe um, you should not be wearing a two-piece. Um, how dare you? You know I'm long-waisted <laughs> and I have to have a two-piece. That's my, that's my, um, that's my excuse for doing the bikini is oh. I have to have a two-piece. And I know people are now are turning this off completely. You know, I, I do want to Go ahead. What? No, well, I want to say um, when you were talking about like how we both encourage each other and like we are those kinds of people where no idea is too big. We're just going to figure out a way to make it happen. And, you know, it kind of goes back to how we first got started. And you said, I think we need to do a podcast. And I said, OK, let's do it. And we sat down and did it. Well, well my girls. Think. Yeah. My girls just last night, they were asking. How did you and Miss Kim become friends? And I tried to explain, well, we were both school counselors in the same place, in the same district. And um, so we we knew each other. And I said, but Miss Kim did not like me at first. And they were like, what? And um, they said, well, how did y'all become friends then? And I said, well, we had to work on a project together. I said, I didn't know that she didn't like me. Um, I said, but we had to work on a project together and we realized that we both knew what we were doing and that we were both funny and we were just kind of drawn to each other as creative people. And ever since then, so shout out. Thank you for making us best friends, even though a decade between our ages, which is, they did ask, they did ask this and I wasn't even going to share this, but since you said that, it's funny. They said, was Miss Kim friends with Nanny first and then you became friends with her? <laughs> they're trying to figure this out. Is she, and, and you know, they, they're coming over a little bit and we call Philip, my husband, Poppy. And they're like, is she extra grandparent or is she, <laughs> you know, what is she? But yeah, it, I, you're using very strong language. It's not that I didn't like you I just had it's just how you it's just how you you those first impressions can be so wrong mm-hmm. and you're very 
you're very proper and I didn't know you were not, you're horrible. But at the time, you know, I mean, you, you just, just were kind of quiet and snob maybe. I don't know. I just had you. You're making so much better. Thank you for making it better. Now and then, uh, then, like the first time I was with you, I'm like, she is disgusting and I am in love. <laughs> that is a great place for us to stop for this week. And you can tune in next week for the rest of our tips on how to add creativity to your school counseling program. And as always, you can rate and review this podcast so that other people can find it. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Instagram.